Welcome to another episode of Bereans Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. Pastor Dusty said, joining us online or you're here in person. My name is Devin. I'm the lead pastor here. And I've been doing a lot of reflecting lately because this marks one year since my family and I moved to Minnesota and I began serving in this. Oh, it's super kind. Oh, I thought the applause was going to be longer. So the worship team, the sermon, the team will make up for the time. But it's been such a tremendous year, and I want to express again my deep appreciation for your care and your concern for my family and I. You know, Scripture is clear that pastors are called to care for their home as a first priority and then to serve out of an overflow of healthy homes. And so I I appreciate that because the number one question, there's two questions that I get asked all the time. The first question is, how is your family doing? How can I be praying for them? And that means so much to me personally. And so long may that continue. That's the first question. The second question that I get asked all the time is, Devin, when are you going to preach through Habakkuk? (laughs) And so here we are after one year. Let me start then with a question. What are you waiting for? Now, I, I don't mean that to hype you up as in, what are we waiting for? Let's go and do it. Let's go and, and win that game. Let's go and climb that mountain. But truly, what is it that you're waiting for? I mean, we wait for everything, every day. We wait in the doctor's office, staring at the clock. I can remember being a kid sitting in doctor's offices, and thinking that surely I had fallen into some kind of time warp where time was not passing. And it just seemed like I relived my entire life in the span of 30 minutes. We wait in the grocery store line when that person in front of you decides to pull out a change purse in 2023 and pay with nickels and quarters, even though they have 11 items and the express line says 10 max. But you're trying to, you know, be a good Christian so you don't say anything. But you notice... 
We wait for traffic to clear. We wait in line to grab a coffee. We wait and we wait. And that's just the small stuff. What about the big stuff? What about the significant areas of life? I mean, kids, how are you waiting for school right now? Are you so excited? Because don't worry. All you have to do is wait nine months and you'll get another break. It's not bad. Maybe you're single and you're waiting for that right man or that right woman to enter your life. Maybe you're waiting to figure out your kids how to best parent them when this behavior will be reined in. Maybe you're waiting for a job that you actually enjoy. Maybe you're waiting for any job. Maybe you're waiting for your kids to return to Christ. Maybe you're waiting for that injury to heal. Maybe you're waiting for that health crisis to somehow be resolved, for for the doctors to figure out what's going on. Maybe you're waiting for retirement. Maybe you're waiting for just some semblance of peace or calm. We all wait. You see, waiting is part and parcel of the human experience. We are bound by space and time. And so, we wait. We wait as humans today, and we read the pages of Scripture, that the people that we encounter here, man, they had to wait. Noah had to wait a long time. Moses had to wait a long time. David had to wait a long time. Life is all about waiting. And these seasons of waiting provide an opportunity And they also provide a risk. This season of waiting that you are in can either be used by God to deepen your trust in him and your experience with him, your joy in him, or this experience of waiting can be used by Satan to draw you away and to give you over to complaining, to grumbling, to whining. You're going to wait. The only question is, how? So in this series, through the Old Testament book Habakkuk, we're going to see a man who had to wait. And what you're going to notice by way of preview is that the Habakkuk that we are introduced to in the first part of this book is very different from the man that we see at the end. That there is significant, internal, deep work done by God in Habakkuk's journey. He is transformed by the end of the book. He has learned the secret to waiting on God. And so, we begin our series on waiting. On trusting God in those seasons of waiting. So Habakkuk is a man who has to wait. You see, this book was written in about 600 BC, 600 years before Christ. And it's a complex kind of geopolitical dance that's happening here right now. 
empires had come and had conquered the northern tribes, Assyria. And now the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, they are threatening the people in the south. So Habakkuk is experiencing life under the threat of a foreign nation coming in and destroying them. And and Babylon was public enemy number one right now. They were wicked. They were evil. Man, there was some stuff going on in Israel in this time that was not God-honoring. They had departed from the law. Absolutely. But this nation that cast a shadow over them was violent. They were wicked. They were swift, aggressive, and effective. And Habakkuk's waiting. You know, it's an interesting book because it's the only prophetic book that we have in Scripture that doesn't really have an audience. It's a dialogue with God. I mean, of course, today, because God's Word is inspired by the Spirit, we are the audience. It's given to us for our growth. Absolutely. But this is a dialogue So God doesn't come to Habakkuk and say, I want you to relay this message and preach it hard in the streets and rebuke these people and rebuke these people. What we see here is a God who is gracious and gentle enough to come to a struggling prophet and say, hey, let's have a chat. And in the course of this conversation, Habakkuk is transformed. He has learned to trust God in the waiting. And my hope and my prayer is that this journey that Habakkuk walks will be the journey that God does in your life. That you will be somebody who waits on the Lord. You're going to wait, church. The only question is, how? So if you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Both are acceptable. One is right. I don't want to isolate anybody, so I'm going to use them interchangeably. Right? If you're able, I want to invite you to stand as I read the first four verses. This is the word of the Lord. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry out for help? And you will not hear. Or cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. And justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to him. You can be seated. 
This is the oracle, this is the prophecy, this is the word that has come to Habakkuk. He is a prophet who has been called by God. God in his grace comes to him and allows him to share his concerns, his frustrations, and his emotions, his feelings to him. And Habakkuk opens with complaining. These are some pretty serious charges that he has leveled at God. Look, First, the verse 2. He feels hopeless. How long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? He does not say, God, how long will I cry for help and you in your sovereignty and majesty will decide a different course for my life? He says, how long do I have to cry out to you and you not hear me? feels hopeless. How long do I have to cry out violence? There's evil being done, God, and you will not save. He feels hopeless. He feels frustrated. Look at verse 3. Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you look idly at it? That's quite the accusation. He is saying to the creator God, the holy God, why do you make me see all this wickedness, all this iniquity, and you don't even seem to notice? He has accused God of not hearing. Here he accuses God of not seeing. He feels like it's all so pointless. Look at verse 4. The law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. God gave his law to his people. It is God's holy law. And yet here Habakkuk says, the law is doing nothing. I don't know what the intent was behind it, but it's lame. It's ineffective. It is paralyzed. He is wrestling here. Is that not clear? These are some serious accusations to make to God. Waiting is hard. And if you're not careful, that season of waiting can turn into a season of complaining. So what about you? Do you echo the sentiments here of Habakkuk? Do you feel hopeless? Do you lack joy or confidence in the future? Do you think that this world is just bad and it's just going to keep getting worse and that there's no real hope? And you cry out, how long, O Lord? How long will you let all of this evil flourish and do nothing? How long, Lord, do I have to struggle with this health problem? With this person in my life? With this broken relationship? How long? Can't you hear me, God? Do you feel frustrated? Really, God? I've been so faithful and I have prayed so much and I have done what is right and still evil and justice, hurt and struggle and suffering seem to be winning. Do you not see me? Do you not see what I'm experiencing, God? 
You say, God, I've learned the lessons that you wanted to teach me. I'm a good student. Why can't we get on the other side of this struggle? And so you wait. Do you feel hopeless? Do you feel frustrated? Do you feel like it's also pointless? What's the point, God, you say? It's the new day, but it's the same old thing. What's the point? Do you see me, God? Do you hear me? The law is paralyzed. Injustice and evil triumph. Where are you, God? We all wait, and waiting is hard. And those seasons of waiting well, they can sometimes lead to a season of complaining. Now, in Psalm chapter 142, we see that we're told to pour out our complaints to God. God is not uncomfortable with human emotion. He doesn't expect you to just, you know, keep your chin up and carry on sport and good Christians don't struggle. No, God is gracious and he is gentle. And so he invites us to share our complaints with him. But there's a difference between sharing our complaints and chronic complaining. The most common term used in the Bible for complaining is grumbling. Yeah, it's stupid dog. If it does that one more time on the carpet, I'm, I don't care what the kids say. I'm getting rid of it. I'm, gonna, I'm just doing it. And all I do is work all day, and i got to come home and pick this up and look at this mess and a boss of mine. Hey, do you want to know what other boneheaded decision he made? Listen to this. Can you believe that? Grumbling and complaining. There is a significant risk in being a person who is quick to complain. So when you're waiting, watch out for complaining. It's okay to share your complaints with God, but as soon as you start focusing on your problems instead of focusing on God, you are on the slippery slope to complaining. And when you pray, are you praying to God? Are you bringing your complaints or are you just complaining out loud and calling it a prayer? Complaining comes when we have focused our attention on the problem instead of taking that problem and focusing on God himself. Do all things, the Apostle Paul says, without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God. There is nothing wrong with pouring your heart out. God knows you. He made you. He knows what you're walking through. Take those complaints to him. That is God-honoring. That will benefit you. That will bring you joy and peace. That will sustain you. But spending your time in a a state of self-absorption where you are focused exclusively on the problems that you're facing, it doesn't serve anyone well. When you're waiting, watch out. Be on guard against complaining. 
So Habakkuk here, he pours his heart out to God and he offers his complaints. How long, O Lord? And then God responds. And God's response is, it's so God-like. Because God doesn't come and say, oh my goodness, sweetie, I did not know that's how you felt. I tell you what, I don't normally do this, but three wishes, whatever you want. You know what, have a fourth. You could use it. God doesn't come and say, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Habakkuk. You know better than I do. I actually, I've been distracted lately. I didn't hear. I didn't see. I didn't know that my law was paralyzed. Let me fix everything according to how you. God does not relinquish his providential and sovereign control of all things to anyone. God's answer is so like God. Because look at what he says. To move from complaining to confidence, you need to see the greatness of God. If you want to be a person who moves, who isn't stuck in that chronic complaining, who can wait and trust God, if you want to move from complaining to confidence, you have to see the greatness of God. And that is exactly what Habakkuk experiences here. In light of all the complaints that he has offered up, look at God's answer. Verse 5 says this, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. God does not spell out every detail. He does not owe that to a creation of his. What God graciously does is provide an assurance of his greatness and power. He says, Habakkuk, you you couldn't understand what I'm doing in human history. You could not understand the way that I work all things. All things out. Habakkuk, you, you can't even imagine. Your brain would not comprehend my sovereign plan if I told it to you. I am great so trust me. I'm doing something, Habakkuk, that you wouldn't believe even if you were told. So you're going to need to trust me. In the book of Habakkuk, we see ultimately that God answers by raising up and allowing the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, to conquer Israel. And there's a moral struggle, kind of questions that come up from this, and we'll talk through that. But his assurance to Habakkuk is that God is sovereign over the nations. He is moving these people around to bring about his eternal purposes that these Babylonians, this dreaded empire that threatened God's people, that were violent, that were evil, that were wicked, God says, I'm going to use them in the rest of this chapter. I'm going to work through them. And in the end, I'm still going to save you through my great and glorious plan. 
But my plan, my ways are so much higher than yours, Habakkuk, that you wouldn't understand it. You're going to need to trust me in the waiting. To move from complaining to confidence, you need to see the greatness of God. That God's ways are often not our ways. That his ways, that his thoughts are higher than ours. You have to see that God is doing something that you would not understand even if told that he is providentially in control of all things. He moves here nations around for his eternal purposes. Don't you think he can move and work in your life? I mean, this is the great promise that we have in Romans chapter 8. This is kind of one of those bumper sticker verses that we, we refer to. But man, we need a robust and deep understanding of the greatness of God if this is going to be a comfort. Because if God is a distant God, like Habakkuk implies in 2, 3, and 4 here, this verse will not be a comfort to your heart. But when you see the greatness of God, this hope and truth will sustain you. The Apostle Paul writes this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those that are called according to his purpose. What this means is that even now, even in your life, even in this season of waiting, God is working. And you say, Devin, I can't see it. Devin, I don't get it. I don't understand it. How in the world could God possibly be moving in my life? You wouldn't believe it, even if he told you. So what you need to do, what I need to do in these seasons, is to walk by faith, not by sight. You may not see what God is doing, but you can walk by faith in the character of God, that he is great, that he is glorious, that he is in control, that you can trust him. And waiting is hard. And waiting can so easily turn into complaining. But to move from complaining to the confidence that you and I desire, it comes from seeing the greatness of God. Habakkuk had so much less than we have. Do you recognize that? He understood so much less than we do. You say, come on, Devin. God here spoke to him. He had a conversation with God. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, but we live after the cross. We live with his finished word available to us. We live now seeing his grand and glorious plan of redemption secured for us through Christ, we see so much more. And the message that God offered to Habakkuk was this, you would not believe it even if you could see it. Imagine God coming to Habakkuk here and saying to him, 
Well, okay, let me explain a little bit to you. I'm going to allow the Chaldeans to conquer you. Your people will go into exile, but I'll preserve them there. And then they're going to return to the land under incredible circumstances. I can't wait for you to see that part. Your people are going to wait for a season and then Habakkuk. Then he's going to come. The promised one. The Messiah. The Son of God himself is going to enter into human history and the king of glory and of grace is going to clothe himself with flesh and bones and he's going to teach and he's going to heal and he's going to reveal all that I am to you and he's going to be crucified on the cross but he's actually going to be atoning for the sins of the world and there on the cross he absorbs it all he absolves his people and he is raised from the dead in victory And then he's going to ascend to heaven. He's going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit's going to go and indwell his people. And my people, this new creation, the people of God, the bride of Christ, the church, is going to spread out through all the world. And I will gather to myself people from every tribe, every tongue, and every language. And they will gather before me someday in my glory and in the shining light of my majesty. And there, there it will be perfect. Habakkuk would be like, I'm sorry, could you say that again? I was just, I missed, I missed a lot of that. He, he couldn't have comprehended, could he? It was too much. God is sovereignly in control over the nations. He has done something in Christ that you and I cannot even understand, although we have been told about it. So take heart, walk by faith, trust God in the waiting. You have no idea what God is doing in this season of waiting. You have no idea how God is going to work through you and in you as you wait for this broken relationship to be mended. You have no idea. You couldn't even imagine. You couldn't understand it even if you were told all the glory that God is going to receive as you suffer well through this health crisis. You have no ability to understand how God is going to deepen you and prepare you for eternity by stripping away things in your life and allowing him to become your greatest treasure through this season of waiting for that health struggle, that that crisis to be absorbed and completed. You have no idea how this season of uncertainty around your financial future will deepen your trust in him for every struggle you face for the rest of your life. You and I have No idea. We couldn't understand it even if told of all that God is doing and how active he is in your life. He was active in moving the nations. He was active there, the crucifixion of Christ. He is active in your life, in your season of waiting. If you want to trust God in the waiting, if you want to move from complaining to confidence, you have to just see the greatness of God. And to say, God, I, I don't get it. I don't see what you could do in this situation or how you're going to work it for good. 
But I see your greatness. I see your goodness. So I'm going to walk by faith. Man, we pour our hearts out to him. Bring your complaints to him. Fall on your knees. Weep before him if you have to. But here's what you can know. Despite what you see, God is working in the waiting. I don't know what it is that you're waiting for today. Maybe you've given in to complaining, to grumbling. Maybe you feel hopeless, frustrated, and that it's all so pointless. May you come like the psalmist in Psalm 62 and declare, for God alone, O my soul, wait. You have no idea how he's going to use this season. He doesn't owe you an explanation, and his ways are so much higher that you would not understand it fully, even if told. This is why we walk by faith and not sight. Wait on the Lord, see his greatness, and move from complaining to confidence. Trust God in the waiting. Have confidence in his greatness. Let me pray to that end. Father, every person here is waiting. Some for relationships to be mended or healed. Some for their physical bodies. Some for their their loved ones. Some in their financial situation. Some have a desire and a longing in their heart that for some reason you're not giving them. And we want to cry out like Habakkuk. We want to complain like Habakkuk and say, how long, Lord? How long? May we remember the promise of your word. That you're still here. That you're still in control. That you are still sovereign. And that you are doing something that would be beyond our imagination. You did that here in Habakkuk. You have done that through Christ. You are doing that now in our lives. So give us eyes to see your greatness. May we walk not by sight, but by faith. Help your people to be sustained. And I pray a special prayer for those who are waiting and who are hurting, who are suffering. Spirit of God, come and speak the truth of the hope of your word to their hearts today in a special way. Jesus, I thank you that your ways are higher than ours. As we sing your praise, help us to sing with expectant hearts that are trusting fully in you. We want to trust you in the waiting. Amen. And that does it for this episode of the Berean Podcast. All of our ministries at Berean are geared towards the mission of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. If you would like to be connected with our church family, 
or give to the mission of Berean, just jump online to our website at bereanmn.com. Thanks for listening today, and we pray that you are encouraged by today's episode. Be sure to like us on social media, and we'll see you here next time on the Berean Podcast.